Noble Dairy Queen's new summer blizzard menu is back and it is stacked. Dive right into the summer celebration with their new peanut butter cookie dough party blizzard. You can sink your red spoon into their world famous DQ soft serve filled with delicious chunks of chocolate chip cookie dough, swirls of creamy peanut butter topping and peanut brittle crunch with sprinkles. If the peanut buttery flavor isn't your jam, their fresh take on cobbler a la mode certainly will. Say hello to the Picnic Peach Cobbler Blizzard. You can also let your taste buds crumble with the ultimate cookie blizzard that features Oreo, Chips Ahoy, and Nutter Butter pieces. Dairy Queen knows everyone loves a good comeback, and fan-favorite blizzard flavors Frosted Animal Cookie, Brownie Batter, and Cotton Candy have made their triumphant return. Summer Blizzard flavors are now available at your Noble Dairy Queen stores with locations in Kankakee, Bourbonnet, Moments, and Mantino. Happy tastes good. People tend to stick to Hello and welcome to Kankakee Podcast, where we talk about the people and places of Kankakee County. I'm Jake Lamore, and this is our monthly episode with the Kankakee County Museum. And we're joined once again by Jack Clacy and Jory Walters. Welcome Hello. both. Hello. Good afternoon. Welcome all. Always happy to see you. Happy to see you too. Happy and holidays. Yes, happy ho- when we're recording this. It's a uh, holiday time. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is going to be our January episode. Huh. Um, so the first one of 2024. Kick off the new year. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're talking about a topic that um, they say it's a hot topic right now, but I feel like it's always been a hot topic in yes. America, right? That's and right. that is uh, immigration. That's right. When we're talking about the people and places. We're talking about the people who came here from all over the all over the world in many respects. And right now, I feel like it is really a good time to touch on it, just because this uh, present day we've uh, had uh, buses of migrants uh, dropped off in Kankakee County. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's finally uh, landed. And affected us here in in the county. So, um, so yeah. Let's uh, where where do, where does immigration start? Okay, I would date it back to uh, essentially the late 1700s, and the first immigrants to what is now the area of Kankakee County were the Potawatomi Native Americans. Uh, essentially, they were settled at, at the early part of that time around Green Bay, Wisconsin, and across in Michigan, in the upper parts of Michigan, and gradually kind of worked their way down into what was essentially kind of empty country. There was no real settled uh, tribe or, or settlements of Native Americans in the area that's now Kankakee County, other than transitory hunting parties and things. There was no one before the Potawatomi? There were other tribes, but they Uh were mostly transitory. You didn't have a great deal of settled agricultural and hunting combination. The the Potawatomi maintained uh, solid villages where they actually did farm, but they also hunted and had uh, spread of a wide area. Uh, By the time that that the first uh, 
fur traders and so forth came to this area. There were villages along the Kanki and Iroquois rivers primarily. Uh, the uh, largest one in this area was Rock Village, which is just west of Rock Creek, uh, essentially down by the by the mouth of Rock Creek. And, and that's essentially also present day Kankakee State Park, right? Yes, right. The western part of Kankakee State Park across Rock Creek. Uh, but there were villages settled along, as I say, along the uh, Ir- Iroquois and the Kankakee. One of the villages around Watsika, for example, was Tamain, who was a uh, Potawatomi chief. And he was trading. The first fur traders in this area were Gurdon Hubbard and a man named Noel Levasseur, who was one of his uh, associates as far as a worker and so forth in the fur trade. Uh, they later, in 18, the Illinois band or all the various groups of Potawatomi ceded their land to the United States in a couple of treaties in 1830 and 1832. And actually by 1836 and 37, uh, they had been relocated uh, semi-forcibly across the Mississippi uh, and later on moved on through Kansas and Oklahoma. but the the early settlers then after the Potawatomi were essentially former fur traders, French Canadians primarily, uh, most notably Noel Levasseur, whom we've all talked about before. Uh, he w- was trading down in Iroquois County in the 1820s, uh, again along with along with Hubbard. Hubbard then got out of the trade and moved to Chicago and became a very prominent feature, a figure in Chicago. I was just going to ask you if the the Hubbard name that you see in Chicago has anything to do with the Hubbard you're talking about. Oh, yes. About. Hubbard Avenue's name, or Hubbard Street is named for him. And, of course, the, the Hubbard Trail, which ran from essentially Danville and Vincennes, Indiana, up to Chicago, and later became Route 1 Highway, was called, was pioneered by Hubbard as uh, a traffic pattern for his furs going to Chicago and supplies coming back by horseback rather than uh, trying to take the uh, the waterway. But uh, Levasseur and several others of his uh, his fellow traders and, and voyageurs from uh, Canada settled in the area that's now Bourbonnais, mm-hmm. of course, and. Levasseur began encouraging emigration from Canada to Bourbonnais in about the 1830s. Uh, and it built up quite a nice little settlement called Bourbonnais Grove or La Pointe, depending on who's. And one of the major features of that was, uh, since the French Canadians were almost uniformly Roman Catholic, uh, was a church. And originally, what, it was St. Leo's originally, Jory? Mm-hmm. I think so. It was a small little wooden church. And burned down, and then fraternities have now. Was it when when it burned down and they built a new church? Was it called Maternity at that point, or was it called Saint Leo? I think they changed the name. Of they it. did. Yeah, that was changed okay. when the, with the second the cha- uh, instead of Saint Leo's Chapel, it was then Church of the Maternity, which was a wooden church, and then it was later replaced. Yeah, by the current stone church, which is the oldest church building in Kankakee County. And it was built by the residents of uh, Bourbonnais 
hauling uh, hauling the stone from the river where they had quarried it to uh, to the site and so that set off Roman Catholic um uh church and then of course Kinky, which came about 20 years after maternity is one of the oldest churches is still in use and there are many churches that I found in the county when we get to that far that were established way back when and still in use today. Mm-hmm. Some, no, um, you know, have, have long gone, but uh, many I found were still still in use. But so the French Canadian in Bourbonnais, so you find a lot of French names. But when you get to Bradley and Kiki, people who lived there for generations, their last names are usually not French related. So that brings in the railroad, 1853, bringing in a lot of people from different backgrounds and uh, people to build the railroad from from Chicago all the way down uh, to New Orleans and through our area and bringing people to settle here, bringing people from east, from, from states in the east. And from New England, countries directly here. So what were a lot, and this kind of connects with the episode we put out in December about the Illinois Central Railroad, right. as you said, what were some of the uh, um, origins of oh. the, the laborers for the the railroad? Are we talking like Prim- German or Irish or? Uh, um, both, actually, primarily Irish and German. Okay. Uh, the... Uh, Railroad had a problem. They were going through almost totally unpeopled country. So they didn't have any local labor force that they could recruit to build. And they needed thousands of people. It was not something could do with, you know, 25 people and a, and a horse. Uh, so they actually had agents on the piers in New York as the immigrants came off the ships and passed through Ellis Island and so forth. Uh, the IC's agents were there waving money at them, basically saying, okay, we we need people to build this railroad. We'll pay you a dollar and a quarter a day. That was good money at that time. Uh, and we've got a really cheap, reduced rail fare t- to take you from New York to Illinois. So what do you think? And most people said, oh, yeah, sounds like a good <laughs> idea. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, they would come, and many of these people were had a rural farming-type background, as most people did at that time. Mm-hmm. The cities were less of a factor. But their idea was, you know, I want to find some land and buy, build a farmer's over And this was the way to do it. In m- many cases, the laborers, and there were as many as 10,000 of them at, at various times up and down the state of Illinois, a lot of those— people would work long enough to save up enough money to actually buy some land and start a farm. And, and probably land, was, land along the railroad, I bet, land, too, right? Yes. The, a land along the railroad could be found uh, very uh, – it was very uh, available. And there were two classes of land, both of which were, were really good bargains. Uh, dollar and a quarter an acre was the federal price for lands in Illinois. Uh, but the railroad, which had been given 
uh, huge amounts of of land to sell as a to, by the by the government to sell to encourage the building of the railroad. Their land was at a minimum of two dollars and fifty cents an acre, but those were also usually kind of the choice pieces of land, so they they had no trouble selling them. Uh, the and and this worked all the way up and down the line, as we mentioned last. I think in the December podcast, the Illinois Central ran, the main line of the Illinois Central ran from Cairo down on the Ohio River to what's essentially East Dubuque, uh, Galena on the north, because Galena was as, as large or at least as an important city as Chicago at that time because of the lead mines up there. The part that we think of as the main line of the IC, which was Chicago to down south, uh, was actually considered just the Chicago branch. It quickly became the, the major branch, but it, it joined the uh, other, the Cairo to Galena line, and I've forgotten what town it was, but fairly two-thirds of the way down the state, roughly. Okay. Um, now, b- before we get too far, uh, this actually goes back to um, the Potawatomi. Mm-hmm. What brought the Potawatomi down here from Wisconsin and, you know, Michigan and Minnesota. What was two factors that I can think of? Uh, one was they got away from people who wanted to pick on them. <laughs> there was virtually a constant state of warfare of some sort between many of the tribes in in uh, Illinois and uh, not in Illinois, but in the Midwest and so forth or in the country. So you constantly had raids by the Iroquois and so forth. But also, this was good hunting land. There there was, you know, it was the buffalo. There's still buffalo in this part of the country. Right. Uh, until, oh, I think maybe in later in the late in the 1830s, the last ones were hunted out here. But so, and there was fertile land for, and good waterways and so forth to establish villages and do some uh, subsistence farming. So I think it was those two factors. In the river, they hunted and fished. And the, the name Kankakee um, has been translated many a time. But the Potawatomi called it wonderful land or beautiful yeah. land. Tayaraki. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, it, from the English to, or from the French to the English, from the French, it would be Q U I N. Yeah. Queen Cook, Q-U-E-Q. Queen depending on how many how you'd pronounce it. Yeah. So I just know it from the French to the to the English, but um because I took a little bit of French. Yeah. But it's actually um, the first time I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was just a, a wonderful, amazing place that they really um survived and and they really did well. And then when when Settlers came a little bit different territory there, right? But um, yeah, so that's where the the name came from. So yeah, kind of getting back to you know the Illinois Central Railroad bringing in uh, a bunch of immigrants from all over, mm-hmm. uh, not even not just uh, the U.S. but uh, Europe, well, mostly well. Europe. Yeah. Let yeah. me give you an idea. I did um, in the census books um, when I was gathering this. Um, I did by each um, township 
and give you an idea of what countries or provinces of countries people came from. I'll give you a selection. Of course, English, German, depending on where you were in Germany, the northern or the southern, depending on whether you were Catholic German or whether you were Protestant German. So Bavaria was one of them. Um, Switzerland, Ireland, Russia, the western provinces of Canada, because we usually think French Canada, but some of the western provinces had some people come. Belgium, we were a big French, um, so French people speaking from there, the Walloons and the, um, not the Flemish speaking. Mm -hmm. Um, I think more the the French speaking came. Um, Wales. And anybody, trivia here, anybody tell me where Prussia was <laughs> and where Prussia would be today on a European map? Um, get on our Facebook or <laughs> website and let us know. Uh, because if you look at a map of Europe, uh, names disappear and they reappear. <laughs> yes. And because. Right. I mean, at the yeah. time, because you're looking at the census book from the 1800s, yeah, right? 18, I did 18. We have 1870. Uh, I'm sorry, 1860, which is not as big. 1870 is huge. Yeah. And then I have 1880 in our collection. Um, so I went through these books and just kind of got an idea of where people were from. Um, it, it was just quite interesting um, to see the, the different countries where people came from sometimes directly and sometimes from of course like i said eastern states um they might have been a couple of generations came over new york was a was huge Mm -hmm. uh new york state uh, people came from um but we usually think canada here but uh and of course england um but we had a lot of different um places right some of the uh People who originally settled in the, the North New England states, and we're talking back seventeen uh, hundreds and so forth. Uh, they, as the frontier opened, the younger members of the families, of course, began to move west and establish new mm-hmm. uh, residences in in the new countries. Uh, for I think that you know by the time we're talking about. Settling people settling in Kankakee County, some of those were probably the third generation from the time that the uh, the ancestor got off the boat in New York or in Boston or wherever. Uh, essentially, the first generation settled in New England. The next generation had probably gone far enough west that they were pretty much in Ohio and Pennsylvania, and then the next generation of of that were the people who ended up in. Indiana and Illinois, and of course, then it goes on and on. But those often were essentially the English-speaking settlers, and as Jory will probably mention later on, the churches that they established in Kankakee uh, were probably St. Paul's uh, Episcopal, for example, uh, First Methodist, First Presbyterian, uh, not sure about Baptist. I think that may have been more of a, a different ethnic strain. And St. Yeah. So it's very interesting to see how the tide moved westward overland. And then those who came, of course, 
with a hop, skip, and a jump from New York to Illinois via the railroads. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the church had a lot to do with it. Um, or the church is, I the should The church say. is, yes. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, people tend to gather with their own, <laughs> they're familiar, especially when you're in a new country. Mm-hmm. So the west side of Kankakee, what was referred to as the west side of Kankakee in the late 1800s, was also called Frenchtown because the area around St. Rose was the west side, not the other side of the river. And the predominant uh, ethnicity of the people living in that neighborhood were were French. So you had neighbors, of course, I grew up in Chicago, which was a city of neighborhoods. I mean, you could map out, I think, Tribune, I think, used to do a map occasionally of what ethnic groups were settled in different parts of the city. And it was really very amazing. I mean, we need to come to, up with a map like that for Kankakee. That unless would be very we have interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of that, when um, the Catholic church, it was in French. And then in St. Rose, it was in French. Mm-hmm. Well, the English speaking people said, well, we want our mass in English. So then the Irish St. Patrick's, uh, was eventually opened, and then um, the Lithuanians uh, said, "Well, we want ours in Lithuania." So there were Saint Stanislaus, Saint Stanislaus. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. That was Polish Ukrainian and German. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, the Eastern. Um, we didn't have a lot of people from the Eastern um, countries, but we had a few. So they wanted theirs. So that was on the east side. Yeah, north, where ex- I'm sorry, the north and the east side. Yeah, where exactly was that? I've been told, but it's been quite a while. I just know it's not- on the north. I can't think of the, at the moment. What, where's St. Saint- Stanislaus? St. Stanislaus mm-hmm. was on Dearborn Avenue. Okay. North of Court Street. Okay. And the building still exists. Oh, it does? Yeah. It's, I think it may be an African-American church building, but I'm not sure. I drove past there one time, not. To, to just check and see if it was still in operation, and it was. It was still functioning as a building, as a okay. church. I thought the building was gone too. I don't think so. Okay. And then um, the German Catholic, not a lot, not a lot of people, but the German Catholics said, "Well, we want our last mess in Latin, some in German." So, um, Saint Saint Mary's. St. Mary's. <laughs> and St. Mary's is, the building is Saint, still there. Yes. On, on Washington. Yes. Mary yes. Meglin Church. The building is still there. It is on Washington, North Washington Avenue. Um, okay. So then we have, um, so that takes care of the, the Catholic in town. So the Germans had German, uh, German Catholic, like I said, German, Methodist, German, Lutheran. Baptist, German, German Lutherans. Lutheran. Mostly. And you wouldn't believe how many German Baptists and German Methodists there's. But churches bought and sold other church buildings. Mm-hmm. So this right. church moved into this church building, changed the name. And they're still doing that today. I was today. just going to so say that. So yeah. it's, it's kind of hard to keep up with the history of it. Yeah. But I did do, I got my whole uh, drawer, file drawer of files of all the churches finally in the right folders of all the organized completely um so the the germans had a lot of influence the i think the methodists 
was probably the most prominent just from what I've looked at. Maybe with Baptist too, but get a little There's bit. a lot of Methodist lot of churches. Of, oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, just in Kankakee alone. But as you pointed out, though, there was uh, a lot of Catholic churches, too. But mm-hmm. the Methodists, you're saying, it seems like were primarily yeah, the, German. Yeah. The early mm-hmm. Methodist writers were really influenced in the whole county. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of German um, Methodist churches uh, in the county. So what I did when I first was getting this together as I wanted to do countywide because it would be so easy just to do Kankakee because there's so many of them. Um, but I wanted to do countywide to see um, how many churches, because the first thing they did was build your house and then build a church. And so I wanted to see kind of how many were still there, still in use. I found a quite number, uh, a, a lot of them that are still in use today. Um, and, uh, like I said, uh, German Catholic, uh, German Baptist, German, there were also, um, Swedish, uh, see, Norwegian, Danish, um, and for example, there was a church out on East Court Street, St. Ansgar, which was Danishian and Scandinavian. Uh, and they later built another church across the street that's now an African American church, but I've forgotten the name of it. And Jory and I were debating that either one of us could think of the later name. But the- Celebrate Mother's Day with D. Westfall Jewelers on Broadway and Bradley. You can shop 20% off store wide from now until Mother's Day. If you spend $199 or more now through May 8th, you can receive a $25 gift card from Texas Roadhouse. And then from May 9th through the 12th, if you spend $199 or more, receive a bouquet of flowers from Bada Bloom in Bourbon A. Mom deserves to shine this Mother's Day with new jewelry from D. Westfall Jewelers on Broadway and Bradley. Like and follow D. Westfall Jewelers on Facebook and Instagram for more info. And we apologize. There are so many churches. Are, oh, my it's, goodness. It's hard to keep track of course, of the, the Germans are probably most closely identified, even though that numerically perhaps there were more Methodists, with the Lutheran Church. Yeah. So St. Paul's Lutheran uh, right. was the predominantly identified church mm-hmm. as a, a primarily German uh, I think that the Babsts and the Radicies and so forth were all members of that church, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but the, but the Lutheran was very small from the number of churches in the county. Oh, yes. And in the town. Because uh, today I counted, I think, three Lutheran in Kiki Bradley Bourbon A. right. I could be missing a few. But... Um, Lutheran just and in the county wide just doesn't seem to be as popular as like say the Methodist and the Baptist, uh, of course, and the Catholic. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. There was even actually a congregational church here at one time, and it was very early. It was back in the fifty four three fifty four. It was on Dearborn Avenue, uh, about midway between Merchant Street and uh, and Court Street on the east side, uh, it went out of business, I guess you would say, at some point. But 
right next door to it was the first first Methodist church, uh, which was <clears throat> later when they built the current church is now Asbury, and I forgot what year that was, seventies I think was. Mm-hmm. Uh, that had that building that had been the Methodist church had kind of an interesting history because at one time it was the city hall. At another time, it was a school, uh, and in fact, I'm trying to think of her name, the founder of the, uh, oh, she taught here, and what, oh my, I've gone blank, <laughs> uh, the anti-alcohol. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I know yeah, the, <laughs> I know I the know. name you're talking yeah, about, too. Fact, there it, was a, at one time a fountain in her yes. memory on the yeah. courts. Do- court do- I can't think of her name either. League of Women, no, <laughs> Women's Temperance Union. Women's yeah, Temperance like. Union. Um, I have a big foul on her. Yeah, I yes. can't think of her She's, name either. But well, I, she taught here briefly in a subscription school in that building. Yeah, And then later, I believe it was for a while, the headquarters of the uh, the schools in Kankakee. And then, of course, it's long gone now, isn't it, where the old, the former German uh, newspaper offices were building that's there now. Right. Yes. And every church had its own school. Yes. Um, long gone now. Well, almost. For the gone. most part. For the most part. St. Paul's yeah. Lutheran still has its own school. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. where several of the Baptist uh, churches have, like Grace Baptist, for example, mm-hmm. and um, yes. Faith Baptist, I know they all have their yep. own schools. Faith Baptist has a school? I believe so. Out on, on uh, in Bourbon Air. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, I yeah. Our, I next door, our next door neighbor, uh, kids went, our daughter went there. Okay. I didn't know they had a school. I thought they just had, you know, like Sunday school and yeah. that yeah. kind of thing. I didn't realize yeah. they actually had mm-hmm. a school no. there. And then okay. St. Joe's consolidated with maternity. Right. Um, right. Bishop Mac so. is all. Yes. All the, it's what all had been one. St. Saint Teresa and. Uh, yeah. St. John Paul II. And right. So forth, or, yeah, there's multiple levels of consolidation right. there. Uh, St. Rose had their own. Oh, my sure grandmother is. actually went to St. Rose School. But um, and my dad went to St. Joe's in uh, Bradley. Okay. But yeah, it was very um, popular back then to have your church mm-hmm. with your school. Immigration just obviously leads into so many different things, but uh, getting back to... Uh, immigration, though, um, you know, tracing it into all the churches and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, what else is there about immigration in, in Kankakee County that we what can talk about? I think we should touch on maybe uh, coming back to the French. Okay. A uh, man named uh, Charles Chinicky, who was a yeah. uh, French-Canadian Catholic priest who uh, was very famous in his day in Montreal as an anti-alcohol crusader. But at some point, he came to Chicago and uh, thought, and came to Bourbonnais briefly and found and said, this, this is a pretty cool place. I think we could uh, really set up a colony out here that would draw a lot of people. So he uh, acquired some land around St. Anne and eventually uh, promoted large-scale immigration in the, about the 1860s from French Canada, uh, more than 1,000 families. Oh, wow. Uh, in Man. fact, so many so that St. Anne was the center of his colony, of course, but they also established satellite colonies. One was in a town called Papineau, 
of course, just south in the Iroquois County. And yeah. a little further south, one called St. Mary's, that's now Beaverville. Oh, right, because St. Mary's Church yeah, there, uh, the right. cathedral. Beautiful. Yes. yes. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And they had to change the name because from the post office standpoint, there was already an established St. Mary's somewhere else in Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the uh, the third of the sub-colonies was Larab in Iroquois County, over sort of roughly between Clifton and Chavance. I never thought about them being connected to St. Anne in any other oh, yeah. way. I did not realize Yeah, that. they were definitely part of his colonies. And there was also another colony not far from Larab. Uh, it was called the Belgian Farm. And in the 1850s, I believe it was, the French consul in Chicago bought 1,500 acres of land in Iroquois County because they were really cheap and started encouraging emigration from Belgium by the Walloon or French-speaking settlers in uh, in Belgium to come to Iroquois County. Uh, and for quite a long time, that was a, there was quite a settlement there. And they also were particularly well-known for, I believe it was their Percheron horses, the huge draft horses. Okay. And they were yep. breeders. The later manager of the, the Belgian farm was the nephew of a very famous doctor in Chicago. His name was, the nephew's name was Louis Henroten. But his uncle was the man for whom Henroten Hospital in Chicago is named, and he was a very, very famous uh, early physician in Chicago. Hmm. Look at all these little odds and ends that yeah. tie back to Kankakee Yeah. Wasn't there some scandal with uh, a clergyman out of St. Anne? That wasn't. The guy we were just talking about, is it? Uh, yeah, Father Junicky? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, well, he was yeah. always in one, one, <laughs> one kind or another. He was in hot water most of the time because he was very outspoken. Yeah, uh, he did not get along well with his bishop in Montreal. Uh, and when he first came to Kankakee County, he got along pretty well with the bishop of Chicago at that time. But when that bishop retired or was transferred and somebody else took over, he did not get along well. And eventually... Uh, he was excommunicated from the Catholic Church. Yeah, and what uh, was he excommunicated for? for uh, primarily because under church law, property, church church buildings and any property owned by the church is actually held in title by the bishop of the diocese. And uh, Father Shinnicky disagreed strongly with that. He said, we, we've done all the hard work building this colony. You can't own it. We own it. And it went back and forth and back and forth. And finally, uh, somebody from the Chicago Diocese came down and nailed a proclamation to the door of the church in St. Anne saying, uh, sorry, Father Shinnicky, you don't have any standing anymore. You're not a Catholic priest. Wow. <laughs> and so eventually he fairly shortly, he first changed the name of his organization to uh, the Christian Catholic Church of St. Anne. And after a while, though, he saw the need to tie up with something a little larger, so he joined the Presbyterian Church. But uh, the there are still, I think, some lingering uh, resentments in in Saint Anne or in various areas. Uh, people who stayed with Shindike and and or stayed with the church, and those sometimes from the same family who broke away and stayed with Shindike. Uh, it's 
quieted down considerably comparing what it was as in the, the 1870s years, and yeah, so forth. Yeah, as the years go on, right. Uh, but uh, yeah. he definitely had an, a strong influence on the, on the emigration of, into Kankakee County from French Canada. Children are naturally drawn to art and the creative process. For them, it can be a form of expression as they explore the materials, gain confidence, and feel a sense of competency as they create something based on their own ideas and efforts. That's why Little Me's studio in Bourbon A created the Big Kids Art Lab for ages 5 to 12. Little Me Studio crafted this safe space for your big kid to slow down, be in the moment, and be comfortable making messes while trying something new. Big Kids Art Lab meets every Thursday from 4.30 to 5.30 p.m. at Little Me Studio across the street from Olivet Nazarene University in Bourbon A. Studies indicate that art making has so many positive effects for the brain, body, mind, and heart. Enroll in one class at littlemestudio.com or sign up for the entire session and save. littlemestudio.com to sign up for Big Kids Art Lab. Make sure you follow Little Me Studio on Facebook and Instagram. I have, uh, in my research area, I have a huge box dedicated just to them. So anybody who's interested <laughs> in all the things Father Chinicky did, um, I have a wonderful, huge box of all kinds of goodies. I just yeah. happened to think of another ethnic group that we hadn't touched upon mm-hmm. the dutch oh the dutch yes i mean there's so many but yeah that we yeah, haven't talked the about the around, dutch around witchert yeah. of course mm-hmm. uh, north of saint anne uh was settled by farmers moving south from chicago uh dutch families that had settled in what was currently called the, the roseland area around 111th street and state street in that area on the south side of chicago had operated uh, farming areas in there for quite some time, but the the city was beginning to impinge upon them, and the property values were going up, and they couldn't afford the taxes sometimes anymore. Uh, so they began settling in uh, the area around Witchert, and they became their primary crops were kind of the you know celery and cabbage, and uh, the crops used for for food sources. Directly, uh, truck farms, what they had called, because, but then they also got into flower raising. And for many, many years, if you drove out to the Witchard area, uh, you found acres and acres and acres of blooming gladioli, and they were very beautiful things. Uh, mm-hmm. The Moments Gladiolus Festival is what something like seventy-five years old. I think. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's I think in the seventieth. Yeah year-ish in that decade, somewhere in there. It's been a long time. And unfortunately, which Kankakee County only has one one uh, Gladiolus grower left. Yeah. Uh, the Osterhoff family. Yes. Uh, there was a great article that uh, Tiffany Blanchett, I think Tiffany Blanchett, Blanchett did yes. it uh, just this last year about yeah. them. Yeah, Glenn Osterhoff used to spend a fair amount of time at my house, in fact, because my da- daughter... My daughters were friends of a whole bunch of people from, which we used to call the Watsika, or excuse me, the Witchard Mafia. <laughs> all these teenage kids, they were all boys, you know, that, yeah. and they used to 
date the girls uh-huh. or my daughter's friends <laughs> and so forth. But Glenn's a really good guy, but he's got a terrific operation going. And I remember him as a teenager. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, that's uh, definitely, uh, I'd love to do an episode out there on just about the gladiola. Yeah, I bet he'd be interested in doing that, especially in his off season. Yeah, well, right, especially then because he wouldn't be as busy. But but yeah, Um, sorry, go ahead. Oh, that's, I said, you know, there are all these little interesting pockets of. Yeah, well, I mean, we haven't even talked about uh, another one to throw out there is Pembroke. Oh, yes. Like that's, that's another um, interesting. uh, Yes. Yeah, African-American settlers. Pembroke, in the, up through the 1870s, was primarily large farms raising Timothy Hay and so forth. But after World War I, and even more so after World War II, you had uh, African-American families moving out of the city. They had come north to work in the, the war plants and so forth, and, uh, but they were primarily rural people originally when they been from Alabama and Georgia and so forth. So they wanted and to go back to the roots. And they wanted to get back to farming again. So yeah. uh, they were able to to buy property. Unfortunately, it's not very prime property in terms of you know uh, being good farming land, but it was available and it was inexp- comparatively inexpensive. And so you had a, a fairly good-sized uh, group of people who had moved into Pembroke over the years from basically about 1920 onward, uh, more so after World War II. Actually, if you go back to the Civil War, there were families, there were black families in Kankakee. For not many. The, uh, the string, uh, there was one family named... Tedder? Tedder was one of the early ones. But uh, there was another also but the, who was a... Uh, a <clears throat> I think an escaped slave, and I can't think of his name now, but he was at when the Emancipation Proclamation was uh, was signed. Uh, he was supposedly uh, one of the local livery stables. Uh, took him on as a passenger, and he drove around town, and everybody was uh, was congratulating him, and suddenly being officially free, and this sort of thing. I can't think of the name, but hmm, that's. But about 1900, I did a little research at one time in 1900 to do a map of the area. And I think there was something similar to maybe 100 African-American individuals, and a lot of them were families in Kankakee. Uh, and we even actually, by using city directory, we were able to find where they were located, uh, primarily working in service occupations, as would have been at the time the uh, women working as maids, the men working as uh, in livery stables and uh, restaurants and so forth. Uh, and uh, a individual group, mostly single men, that were uh, worked for the Southside Quarry out by the state, uh, behind Dockwell, Illinois' office down in the south of the city. Uh, and they were uh, they were working in the quarries and so forth. Another area I'm wondering, the Italians, it's not a huge Italian, but there are still. Some, I feel yeah. like most of the Italians that live here are from Chicago originally. Yeah. yeah, and like in recent, more in recent years, not yeah. so much from not as much as the eighteen fifties. Yeah, no. I think not there about, may have been a significant number, maybe in the eighteen seventies, because when the state hospital was built, there was a uh, 
a demand for stonemasons. And I think there may have been a fair number of Italian stonemasons. Okay. There also were Italian uh, families in the western part of the county associated with the, the coal mining business. Okay. Uh, more so in Braidwood and so forth across the, the Grundy and, and Will County lines. But along the western edge of Kankakee County, there was a fair no amount of uh, Italian you also have, of course, a, a small Greek population here. I was just going to yeah. say, uh, you know, dates a long way back. Yes, and and uh, you can. There's uh, an episode that we did of uh, the podcast with um, about the Greek Orthodox Church mm -hmm. in town. Yeah, so, Annunciation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That and came a little bit later. That was in the 20s. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then the, the Jewish synagogue came a little bit later. That's later too. That's right. Yeah. The first and synagogue. And that was... population's even smaller. Yeah. Right. In fact, there is no local synagogue anymore. No. What is. Did someone else buy that now? Yeah. yeah. It was, it's owned by a, a, an African American uh, church group, but they have a problem because of the collapse of part of the building. Right. And it's been the, looks like it's framed out. It framed and out. Yeah. And that's, sitting uh, there. Maybe they've run out of money to continue it. Something. The original yeah. temple still exists it's, uh, on Dearborn Avenue. Right. The first, the first Jewish temple in town, Dearborn, south of uh, Station Street. And then, of course, in the 50s, they built uh, Temple B'nai Israel at, uh, on uh, Harrison and, and River Street, which is the one we were talking about. Mm -hmm. But and there, I think, at the time that they shut that down, there were only like a half dozen uh, member families in in the synagogue at that time, and so I think most of the those people that were probably worship up in the south suburbs, there of course there are a number of synagogues there in the south um, suburban area. Shapiro, our governor, yeah. Shapiro he was, was from Jewish, here. right? Yes. And yeah, he helped get that together. Oh yeah, the, yes, the he was very involved in that mm -hmm. in the building committee. Right, but, but yeah, uh, very much a minority. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, but the, the minority that produced at least uh, one mayor of Kankakee. Right. Uh, and then the Jackies. Alpiner, the Alpiners, and so yes. I will say we have um, files on the Greek Orthodox and the the Jewish temple. We have also uh, some other research material if anyone is interested. We have a great African American exhibit at our museum. Uh, and a, a huge full box of African-American history, Kiki uh, County, and um, our French Heritage Museum. And you'll get the whole French scenario. Yes. Uh, and then you'll see pictures of the big horses that he was talking about. Oh, That's yeah. Right, the Percherons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so we have other uh materials and places that, that you can visit to get more information if you're if you're interested in any of that right. and i have um uh like i said uh uh files on churches uh throughout the the county mm -hmm. so i have more information on that and then also our atlas our 1883 atlas shows um pictures they, they drew little pictures so in the 1883 atlas of pinky it shows where some of the earlier earliest churches were right. like french presbyterian odd one uh, like <laughs> is... some odd uh, i can't remember some of them yeah now. some small um, churches that uh, the, they just went out of opera yeah, they realized didn't right, have enough yeah. people to continue yeah um, um but we have a lot of files on those too but if you're interested in the 1883 atlas i have pictures 
of where some of the earliest churches were in Kankakee, in downtown Kankakee. That's cool. Um, and then, like I said, if you go on Entrance Avenue and then like two blocks over to North uh, Entrance, North Washington, the remainder of the German church, it is still a church today. Doesn't look anything like it. I have pictures mm-hmm. of what it used to look like. And um, the German uh, church, St. Mary's, to, right. uh, two blocks down. I have a picture, postcard too, of that church in its heyday and school. Um, and actually have a picture of that intersection taken um, as if you're looking at, like, down, like, from a house or something, a building, mm-hmm. looking High angle. Mm-hmm. at an angle that you can see both the churches. And there was no houses to the the left. And I asked my mom one time, because we go, I live near there. So we went through that intersection. And I said, Mom, do you recognize this picture? She's like, not have a clue. It, it was that intersection of churches and just beautiful photograph. Um, and it was a German, I want to say a Methodist. Mm-hmm. Baptist. <laughs> Don't remember, yeah. but it was original. We have some materials in German from German church. We have a lot of French uh, things in French from the churches, and we have a whole collection of books, like anniversary books, etc., of all the churches. So, anybody who's interested in any of this, come on over to the museum. Let me know. Right, we have it all. And one last thing I just thought of too. Um, do when did the uh, the Mexican population uh, start coming to the area? Because that also was kind of later, right? That wasn't really in the beginning of no. Kankakee no. County. That came later. Yeah, probably not specifically, but I would think probably after World War II in any numbers and primarily you had Hispanic families who were migrant workers passing through this area for harvests at times uh, earlier than that. But I think what draw, drew most of the earlier settlers, Mexican settlers here was uh, working for the tree nurseries, Kanki uh, nursery and, you know, some of the other tree raising things. Uh, and then, of course, the real uh, you know, increase in Hispanic immigrants really came in probably the last 15, 20 years. And, yeah. of course, it's, they've now become a very significant portion of our population. Yeah. Right. So uh, when we, we talk immigration for Kiki County, we have what I would call the original immigration of when the— when when the county was formed and when it was primarily European right. people coming, you know, I think coming into the country as well, and then coming westward because right. they were still moving westward at this time. And so um, a lot of people settled. So that made up uh, the first couple waves of immigration. And then came what we consider now immigration from other countries. Um, that more um, modern, more yeah, the modern, modern immigration of, of immigration, yeah, and for primarily, I think, different reasons. Um, in the, in the original, it was for land, uh, and to, to settle here, and 
and this immigration, a lot of workers. So settlement, yes, but maybe, um, like I said earlier, migrants coming through uh, who maybe just do um, passing through to do crops, you know, some settle. So a little, little bit of a mixture now uh, as opposed to yeah. when it was Yeah, most of it now would be jobs. Settled. Well, anything else, Jack and Jory, you want to put out there about immigration? Well, yeah, we bounced exactly. around a lot, and very, but we covered a lot of ground. Oh, well, today, we too. did. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is a pretty, uh, pretty broad, you know, yeah. topic, really, yeah. if you think about it. So, and I want to do a, a much deeper, deeper dive into it. I just kind of mm-hmm. glossed it, and I really want to do a deeper dive into connections between them because really important how the how the um whole county was settled uh and then the the, the the church and then today the churches are not as important as no. as they were no. back in the day so that is an important aspect and they are well. no, no longer ethnically right. they're, they're much more diverse yes yeah it's not you know here's the french catholic church here's right. the german catholic church right, exactly. here's the english here's catholic the, church yep. <laughs> they all wanted their own they all got their own at one time they all did yeah they all got their own yeah and um so that that was interesting to see how that kind of how that played out and of course we didn't talk about the nazarene Oh, we didn't church. even talk about that. <laughs> it came yes. much later. Oh, much, yeah, we didn't yeah, even talk about not later. really an ethnic um, group, but, no, another, but another denomination. Another denomination, denomination that and, grew. It's had growing. a very strong impact upon the area. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thank you both once again. Um, always encourage thank everyone you. to go check out the Kankakee County Museum or uh, the French Heritage Museum. And uh, go to KankakeeCountyMuseum.com and uh, follow Kankakee County Museum on Facebook and Instagram as well to keep up to date on all the different events that uh, the museum has going on because there's always something going on. Well, thank you both for being here. Oh, we love being here. Thank you. Even when our brains are not. Yeah, it's always We still are in spirit. Yeah, (laughs) it's always a good time. Well, there's a lot going on, especially in her oh head. My God. Right. There's a lot going yes. constantly. Yes. Yes. She has so much material and so much information. Sometimes it gets a little hectic that's, in my brain, so I apologize. That's that's okay. <laughs> Nothing to apologize for. Thank you. Thank you. Happy New Year. Yes, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. That concludes this episode of Kankakee Podcast. I'm Jake Lamore. Thank you so much for listening. Please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already and follow us on social media at Kankakee Podcast. And special thank you to our Patreon subscriber Teague Dreenan for supporting the show each month. Join at patreon.com slash Kankakee Podcast and you too could hear your name on a future episode. Kankakee Podcast is owned and produced by the fine team at Pathfinder, a full-service marketing agency in Kankakee, Illinois. Learn more at yourpathfinder.io. Our theme song is by Lupe Carroll. This river can